Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Wendy Seifert and welcome to the Anxiety Hour, a podcast about our biggest fears. I know that sounds like a bummer, but stick with me. This is a space to talk about mental health and how it isn't always a sad topic. It can be weird, funny, frustrating, and even uplifting. As the name suggests, this podcast deals with mental health. Things can get a bit heavy, so please keep that in mind if you find these topics upsetting. Our guest today is Celeste Mountjoy, an artist and illustrator best known as Filthy Ratbag. With over a quarter of a million Instagram followers, Celeste's dark and funny exploration of relationships, sex, mental health and partying has attracted a massively loyal following. I always hate it when people try and describe your life back to you. So why don't you give us a quick rundown of what you do? See, I even sort of struggle with describing it. Like, you know, whenever people ask what I do, I guess the easiest way to describe it is kind of comics. Do you think they're comics, Wendy? I would say they're comics. Kind of like um, angsty millennial Michael Lunig, <laughs> you know? That is amazing. Yeah, I guess it's just sort of a millennial angst comic series kind of thing. Yeah, I think angst is a good word for it, and I think angst gets kind of a bad rap sometimes as just teenagers sitting in darkened bedrooms. But you deal with a lot of like really interesting themes around kind of sexuality and mental health and friendship and addiction and partying. But they're all suitably hilarious. Yeah, so I guess it's like a bit of a diary of me navigating all of those things and growing up a little bit, but I do it through different characters that I've created and all that kind of thing. I guess it makes it less personal when you do that. Yeah, when it's a cat saying it instead of you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, as the name of the show kind of gives away... This is the anxiety hour, or the anxiety, maybe 35 minutes, we'll see how we go, or anxiety two hours. Um, And I mean, one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on and to talk to you is something I really love about your work as someone who is all about their anxiety, is that you deal a lot with really interesting kind of and complicated feelings around mental health in a really accessible way. And I was wondering, how does your kind of, I guess, personal relationship with anxiety influence your artwork? Look, I guess I am just, like, a very anxious person and I always have been. Um, like, in terms of, you know, mental health and stuff, I think I think I started, like, developing a kind of severe anxiety when I was about 11. I remember that sort of just being a year that was totally kind of taken from me because I just spent the entire time, you know, with, like, a sweaty moustache <laughs> and, like, feeling like I wanted to cry all the time. Like, it was just hell like I'd wake up every morning I would just like cry you know before I had to go to school um I was terrified of school I was terrified of people I was terrified of myself like I was just wrapped up in guilt over everything and um yeah I'd say a lot of it came from guilt I feel like a lot of my anxiety does 
sort of stem from just like this excess and guilt and like fear um so I guess yeah I started developing that at about 11 and then as I got older it sort of started manifesting in different ways obviously I I learned how to handle it better and I was really lucky when I was young to have my mum around um who just used to kind of like unpack it all for me and help me with it so I sort of got pretty good at handling it um until last year when I totally fucking cracked and everything just came like flooding back completely like I pretty much just totally reverted back to like my 11 year old self in terms of how anxious and depressed I was and I guess there were more kind of adult reasons for that happening but I guess it's just something that I've always had to deal with you know it's like with depression and anxiety I guess they never really go away if you're somebody who has it but you just learn how to deal with it better or you go through phases where it's not quite as strong or huge. It's interesting that you have such like a defiant starting point of saying like you're 11. I think a lot of people who have anxiety, it's this thing that kind of has been percolating inside you that you just didn't know how to talk about for your whole life. What was it that when you were 11 that kind of kicked off for you was there something that kind of started it all yeah definitely I remember I sort of started developing really early like I got my period when I was 11 and I I was sort of like a lot taller than everyone else and I felt really big I remember feeling like I was this huge person and I mean I was like you know tiny like I, I looking back I was just a normal kind of I guess slightly bigger 11 year old and I was like a bit chubby and sort of started like getting boobs and I guess I just felt like I didn't fit in anywhere. And then I started, you know, sort of exploring, like, sexuality and all of that. And I think that the guilt that came along with that was just, oh, my God. Like, I felt like I was, like, just constantly paranoid that I was going to be found out as some, like, disgusting perv, you know, like, because I just didn't think that anybody else my age or anyone even in the history of the world was really like that. Like, I just... I. It wasn't spoken about enough and obviously not amongst my peers because, you know, we were all 11 and scared. (laughs) So I remember I sort of was constantly stressed out, my big one, that I was a lesbian. I remember I used to cry in the shower about it constantly because I sort of started, like, I don't know, I guess experimenting with this chick in my class when I was 11 and I just had this, like, constant fear that, I was going to get found out, that I was going to get exposed, everyone would find out that I was like a fucking disgusting monster and I would just be like shunned from society and primary school, <laughs> which was terrifying. That idea of guilt is so interesting because I think when people talk about anxiety, I mean, obviously, as the word suggests, it's kind of so tied with fear and you think that fear is of like a certain thing. But I think when I've kind of talked to people over the years about this stuff, it does always come back to that sort of just feeling of like you're doing something innately so wrong Mm, exactly and I mean it it can just become totally irrational like I remember I would say something to someone in the day and it probably like they wouldn't even think twice about it but I just have to repeat these conversations over and over in my head to make sure that I hadn't done something wrong and I just felt like I had to constantly apologize and constantly rethink these things because I was hurting everyone around me I just felt like this I don't know, like, like everything was about to go terribly wrong at all times.
we ha- always have these like eternal fears that something like horrific is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Is it tied to something that actually did happen or is it more just amorphous? Um, I think that last year when it sort of hit uh, like a huge peak for me, definitely like things did really just go terribly wrong and you know my anxiety kind of came to fruition and like I was living I have always lived with my grandma um and my mom and my grandma got really sick with cancer and it was like in the time space of two weeks that she died um and it was just like horrible and really quick and unexpected and then like I would say like a week later me and my partner broke up um and I just felt totally abandoned and I was in this house and my grandma wasn't there because she died my mum was working all the time and my sister had moved out with her boyfriend so I just felt like I had absolutely nobody like I I really just felt like everything that I had always feared had happened and I would be alone forever and have nobody I couldn't eat like I think I lost like you know 15 kilos or something like that I couldn't do anything I couldn't get out of bed like I don't think I've ever felt kind of more pain in my heart than I felt at that moment I think it's you don't know like how much physical pain emotions can actually give you until something like that happens like I've never felt so physically fucking ruined from my anxiety and depression before I just totally lost everything and I just had this like absolute crushing in my heart like someone was literally tearing it into pieces i mean it's such a scary idea of this thing that you've kind of like dreaded that could possibly happen since you're a kid and then finding out that it happened because you're always told you know don't worry it's not going to happen like it's really just in your head and then it fucking happens and you know then what are you left with and because you don't know what anything is anymore you can't like assure yourself that it's going to be okay because it's not okay and it really has fallen to shit. If you haven't seen Celeste's work, seriously pause this podcast and check it out. She's filthy ratbag on Instagram. Her work's awesome, and this talk is going to make a lot more sense if you've seen it. Going back to what we were talking about before of the fact that this has been kind of part of your life for so long and has obviously been something that has informed so much, do you think you would be a different adult today if you hadn't gone through that stuff as a kid. How do you think that that those 11-year-old experiences have imprinted on you now? Um, Yeah, I definitely think I'd be a different person. And, you know, I wouldn't say that I'm thankful for my mental illness, but I I think it's shaped me into what I am now, which is something that I'm proud of. I feel like I'm a pretty strong person. I feel like I'm good at, um, you know, empathising with other people's intense feelings. Um... Because, you know, sometimes it's hard when you're feeling that fucked up to explain to people how sad, sad can really feel. And I think it's made it easier for me to empathise with how intense emotions can be. Um, And I think that feeling really hard is kind of a, you know, it's bittersweet because it has made me really creative and I can make art about it and I can understand things really well. It's given me like a deep understanding into people and how things work. Um, But it's also a pretty heartbreaking thing to feel so much, I think. The way you were kind of talking about when you were a kid, the stuff that really haunted you, this idea of like the guilt and being found out, 
Moving forward to today and just looking at your kind of, we've sort of already talked about this a little bit, but your current relationship with your anxiety and how it kind of affects you. From a day-to-day level, what kind of makes you the most anxious? What are the, what's the thing that you're sort of like managing in your everyday life? Um, I went through a big lump of about three months this year where in terms of the whole everything going wrong situation, I became this huge hypochondriac where I had just totally convinced myself that I had HIV. And I had no reason to, you know, really believe that I had it. But And I, you know, it started off as this kind of like, I don't know, I think I got some like rash on my arm or something or something like that. And I Googled it and terrible fucking idea. If you have anxiety, don't ever Google <laughs> symptoms. Just go to a doctor. Um, I would say, yeah, don't Google. Um, I Googled it and, you know, all signs pointed to HIV. So obviously my anxious little head was like, well, that's it. That's fucking it. You're, you know, you've got it. Which, I mean, is ridiculous because for starters, even if I did have it, it is so manageable. Um, and it's totally, you know, a manageable illness. But uh, I guess I really... I think the reason that I chose HIV as the thing that I obsessed over was because it was something that could hurt the people around me too like it could have transferred onto my partner who I loved so much and so it was this kind of like my anxiety and anxious feelings of hurting others around me and having them not you know leave me or not want me I guess transferred into a real physical illness that could happen that could have that effect you know wow that's so interesting so when you're a kid you had this fear of like people being disgusted by you and leaving you and then as an adult it became like that there would be this physical barrier yeah exactly that would separate you from them yeah and I like I was just so anxious about it that I seriously like just wouldn't even get tested because I already knew in my head that I had it I had just totally convinced myself I don't have it by the way I went and got tested and you know the lady who tested me assured me that it's very rare and she sort of was like I don't understand why you're stressing about it so much like but it, that's just really how irrational anxiety can make you it can just make you totally convince yourself of something that has no truth to it at all it also shows that how the boogeyman kind of changes like when you're a kid and you're like what is the thing that would separate me the most from the people around me and especially when we were kind of younger it was like well maybe that would be being gay mm. whereas like for now as an adult it's like what would be the loss of my body or the loss of my health exactly yeah and I think that that's something that I has yeah definitely happened to me like it's not um yeah you're totally right it's just that disgusted feeling that you feel that people are going to see through you or find out what you really are how do you manage that when you are kind of you have a thought that you know is irrational but it's still a real thought hmm that's a good question I'm still sort of trying to figure that out because I mean an easy answer would just be value <laughs> because when you are having an anxiety attack it's easier to just handle it that way but obviously you have to find something beyond that that's more um you know long term of an answer because you can't just keep in a cycle of benzos and putting a band-aid over the problem you do need to address it eventually um i think talking about it and seeing people's reactions as to how irrational it really is. I mean, it's kind of comforting when you tell somebody about a fear that you're having and they laugh at it. Um, Because whilst you don't want to be taken seriously, it's kind of nice to realise, oh, wait, this is fucking ridiculous and um, I'm actually fine. I find that that helps me. Um, And also talking to other people with anxiety. um, I think you 
start realising how common your fears are and how you're not the only person that thinks that, you know, everyone's going to think they're a terrible person or that everything is going to go terribly wrong. Um, I think that that's comforting because you don't feel as alone in it. And I find, like, making art and stuff is also great because, you know, when I make a comic about how depressed I am or how anxious I feel or some kind of feeling that I'm going through and, you know, you have, like, hundreds of people tagging their friends and being like, this is so me. (laughs) I mean, it kind of is, like, the biggest uh, relatable feeling, I guess, that you could feel knowing that all these people are going through the same thing. It's less isolating. If you like hearing from people who have come through extraordinary experiences, you should check out Extremes, another Vice podcast hosted by Vice.com editor Julian Morgans. He speaks to people who have faced incredible events, like surviving an avalanche and being stranded in an icy crevasse for days. I felt this avalanche, then I heard it, and then I saw it. And it was just rock and rubble and ice coming screaming down the mountain. And I scrambled to get back to the safety of the tent which was dug into the ice face but I didn't make it Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby It's me, Kiki Palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The relationship between art and mental health is so long and complicated and important and also can be really troubling. For you as someone who not only makes art as a way to deal with your anxiety, but a lot of your success has come from people relating to that. Is it difficult when you have something that's your livelihood is actually also so wrapped up with something that is probably the most difficult thing for you to manage? Yeah, um, definitely. And I mean, because it's kind of my job, like I do art full time. uh, I... I think it's easy for me to make art about those things after I've gone through a huge depressive episode because when I, when you know you're actually feeling um, in that moment of like intense depression or in that week or in that month, I don't want to pick up a pencil or an iPad or and start drawing about it and making jokes. So sometimes I feel totally stuck. And then the other problem is when I'm feeling really happy, you know, I don't really feel the need to make angsty comics because I'm feeling great. And then when I make a comic that's kind of positive, people are like, you know, we want more depression. <laughs> um, which is kind of, you know, it's like people want me to be depressed. <laughs> Well, yeah, like when your pain kind of becomes your currency. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's pretty fucked up. But, I mean, yeah, I love what I do, I guess, so I can't complain. Do you ever feel weird taking a situation that, you know, maybe was really traumatic and trying to find a way to make it a piece of art or make it something that is for public consumption? Uh, I think it's my best coping mechanism. I think that being able to laugh at, you know, really terrible things is the easiest way to deal with it. I think that just being sad over something won't fix anything. I think that I'd rather feel anger than sadness and I'd rather feel humour than 
any of those things so I think it's easier to deal with when you can kind of turn it into something else another emotion um I don't know I like I got that answer uh, the question the other day like do you think that there are some things that you shouldn't make comics about like do you think that you're actually kind of making fun of mental illness or something like that um but I guess I don't feel like I am because it's my own experience and I just use Instagram as my outlet for that I mean anyone who has issues with mental illness you're kind of always coasting towards this like phantom place that maybe one day you'll feel better like in quotation marks Mm. what does that mean though when as I said before your work is tied up with your art is there a feeling of if I don't feel like this anymore what do I make art about I think that I I'm pretty good at what I do like I think that I'll always be able to make art as long as I'm living and feeling and you know breathing I think that I'll be able to find something but yeah it is kind of scary like what if I did get better and then like I would have sort of no no fuel left I sometimes get scared about that I get anxious about that (laughs) but um no I think that I'll be okay that feeling of kind of anxiety as sort of a weird superpower is kind of interesting though as well and I think that it's something I feel sometimes like when you're afraid of failing or being embarrassed or being terrible there's kind of no better motivator yeah it does feel you um I mean, I guess I'd rather feel just stressed than anxious, though. I think there's a big um, line between the two. Everyone needs stress, and it's okay to be stressed, and I think it's really healthy to be stressed. Um, you know, like, I, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, like, I'm I'm so, like, anxious about getting this, like, report in, blah, blah, but it's like, no, I think you're just stressed because I think that anxiety is, for me at least, a very, like, physical sickness like I feel sick when I have anxiety it's like I'm, I feel like I'm really unwell whereas when I'm stressed I just know that I have to get on with shit and get it done mm. Joe and the cat are two regular characters in Celeste's work the cat is pretty much depression manifested as an animal sidekick it's not a feeling, it's like a character in your life. Mm-hmm. And as you said, like you've set, had these same patterns since you're 11 years old. Yeah, I feel like sort of with my anxiety and depression, it really is like a character, which I, I guess is what Joe and Depression the Cat are for me. Like Depression the Cat is kind of that feeling for me in terms of like a character being a part of my life like that. You kind of mentioned before, like talking about it makes you feel better mm-hmm. and sharing it with people, whether it's for them to commiserate or to tell you you're just being ridiculous. Mm. Obviously, in the past couple of years, anxiety has become such a massive conversation topic and it's become a big part of pop culture as well, Um, from, like, TV to movies to music to so many fucking think pieces. Yeah, it's full-on, and I wonder if millennials are just more depressed and anxious or if we're just talking about it more. I really don't know um, if, if our parents are just as sad as us or if I don't know maybe we're just doing something wrong <laughs> I think about that all the time like are we more stressed or do we just have a better dialogue to explain how we feel yeah. like you used to just say I'm really stressed whereas now you could say I have feelings of impending doom <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> chronic anxiety I feel like there was almost a point where maybe we're still in it where it became quite trendy to be depressed and mentally ill um which is really funny and maybe even my art contributed to that um, kind of trendy feeling of people 
saying this is so me but I mean I, surely not everyone is like severely clinically depressed are they like, I feel like I get a lot of like 12 year old girls commenting on my photos being like I I also feel this way <laughs> it's like do you are you sure but you were that 12 year old girl and you you're quite that. right and then I remember that I guess um yeah maybe everyone else was as scared as I was when I was that age that kind of idea of like commenting on something and being like it me or like tagging your friend and being like Celeste you I always say in editorial that's like the highest compliment a piece of content can have <laughs> I think it is too it's just so funny to see because I, I do it as well I think everyone does it it's so funny and I think about this a lot with my own anxiety when you have it like you feel like you're so alone in it as you kind of mentioned but it is funny how everyone just feels the same way it, it's the same kind of it's, it's a bit of a one-size-fits-all yeah it really is I yeah I don't know I, I think that um once you sort of start the conversation about it I think you come to realize that everyone is feeling pretty freaked out as well I mean it's also like why people drink so much when they go out and that kind of thing like it I think everyone is just pretty nervous a lot of the time <laughs> like those weird shaky dogs <laughs> just like <"Ugh." laughs> and so they get drunk to combat it <laughs> We've kind of been talking a lot about how there are these kind of themes through your anxiety and a lot of people's anxieties of maybe being like found out or abandoned. But I often find that we kind of have these, just kind of like the greatest hits, like everyone has that one like pit inside them that's like their greatest fear. So for you, not to intensely throw you into the deep end. What's that for you? Like, what's the kind of big driving thing behind it? I guess it changes. I Like, I, I guess I couldn't say that there is one tangible thing that makes me anxious. It's not like I have somebody in my life that I'm just like, ah, fuck, all the time. <laughs> but I think it's the feeling of guilt that is the driving force and the feeling of... It's just fear. I'm just... fucking scared you know and that just drives my anxiety and I'm also like anxious of my anxiety like I I feel like it's taking away my life and my ability to sort of live normally um so I'm anxious of when the anxious feelings will begin in my day and I try and distract myself as much as possible because once I start kind of going down the void uh you know who knows when it'll it'll stop so I guess it's just that driving force yeah yeah, that idea of, like, anxiety being a just a vacuum is really interesting because we talk about it a lot as, like, this active feeling you have, but it's also just, like, a lot of black time. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, and it's like you take something that you know is a crazy thought and you try and make it so the universe is telling you that it's not crazy, but then you're like, this is the most insane part of this whole thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just feels like it's just sucking time away from me in this, like, state that I rationally know is, you know just total bullshit but my anxious brain is like no it's not it's real it's happening and I think that something I can say is that when um I'm hungover my rational ability to say no that's bullshit calm down totally drowns like it's gone and so all I'm left with is my 
shitty little, hmm, this is going to happen. <laughs> you, you know, you're going to die and everyone's going to hate you. Well, uh, brain comes along and I have nothing to combat it with. So on the days that I'm hungover, I have no other choice but to literally just like sleep and hope that I don't explode. <laughs> yeah, I always find the booze hangovers are so much worse than any other kind of come down. Oh, I, I definitely agree. I mean, other than like, I would say MDMA is like, that's probably <laughs> the most fucked one, um, especially if you're someone who's depressed or anxious. Um, but, God, people don't talk about how hangovers can really, like, mentally manifest. Like, I have had some shocking hangovers where I have just been crying, like, weeping, can't do anything, can't breathe. Like, it's horrible, which is so weird because, you know, the night before I'd been using the alcohol, presumably, to make myself feel less anxious, and it just, ugh, it's a mess. <laughs> It's funny because when people talk about anxiety, a lot of the time it's framed as like these irrational fears that you have to like manage. But I mean, for you, it kind of sounds like these aren't irrational fears, they're things that are going to happen one day, but it's like your heart's just too open to them. Exactly. And I mean, then I get this total kind of existential like dread where it's like, you know, I can't deal with the thought of having to face these things eventually because they just will happen these are things that I know will happen death will happen and people around me will die so then in a really depressive state I'll think well I should just kill myself then because then I won't have to face them but then that once again fucks me over because I realized that by doing that I would be ending also the lives of the people that I loved and that I wouldn't be able to see them anyway so they'd essentially be dying to me and so then I feel like I have no escape in terms of you know facing it I just can't escape the fact that I will have to face it and it's just it's horrible I feel like there's no way to get out of it I mean there's no escape from the reality that the people you love one day won't be around do you think that there is any way in the future that not that you'll get over it but that you'll be able to loosen your grip on that feeling I think that um, I think it's human kind of nature to, as you grow, learn to deal with death and the idea of it more. I think when you're my age, it's such a hard concept to grasp, but I mean, um, you know, I, I assume that by the time people around me that I love are dying, I will be old and I'll have, you know, my own family and that kind of thing. But in saying that, you know, I have some friends whose parents died, like, so young and it must be just I don't know how they deal with it but they just seem to and that's something that I do have to remember I guess is that like you do just survive even when you feel like your heart is being ripped out of your chest I think that you have to remember the times when it happened and you did keep on living even when you thought that the sun wouldn't rise the next day it does just keep going on and you will probably smile again and you will probably laugh again and have another good day Celeste I think that's everything I've got. Cool. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to The Anxiety Hour. If you need someone to talk to, mental health support is available 24 hours a day through Lifeline Australia on 13 11 14 and at lifeline.org.au. This episode of The Anxiety Hour was hosted by me, Wendy Seifert. Produced by Laura Appelt with editing, mixing and mastering by Jeff O'Connor. Our series producer is Katie Roberts and post-production coordinator is Pia Caridi. Special thanks to the whole Vice podcast family. Remember to check out our other shows, Extremes and Violent Times, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Next week on The Anxiety Hour, we're speaking to musician and performer Mojo Juju, whose work explores identity, culture, and personal history. She'll take us through how pressure to assimilate has impacted a family across generations. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.